Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. I had an ordination council to be ordained with the Evangelical Free Church, and it didn't happen. Now, there's all kinds of things that happened. I was not necessarily prepared, but there was all these other things that went on there. And I want to tell you a little about... Now, this might sound like whining, but uh, hang with me a minute. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to the other side of that. But as I was doing this, so I started the process of ordination when I was a youth pastor in Milwaukee. And, and I started down that path. And then I, I decided, you know what, it's, I, I'm better off going to seminary and finishing that up. So I, I go to Canada and start seminary. So I stopped the process for a little while there and was out of the country. And then I took a, an interim pastorate up there. And, and when I finally came back to the United States in, in Arizona, I began the process again. And I and I talked to the district superintendent, and I said, "What do we need to do? Do I need to start all the way from the beginning?" He's like, "You know what? We can just we can ask ask for an extension from the process that started before, and and so then we can just proceed on from there." So he puts that paperwork in, and 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 uh, oh, maybe a month and a half or two months later, I get a letter back from our national office in Minneapolis, and it was, well, it was a strongly worded letter. <laughs> And it said, we will not be giving extensions just at willy-nilly. You have to finish up this process and get it done. And, and, uh, and I'm just, oh my gosh. And, and so I, I didn't know where to turn. Well, in the meantime, the district superintendent, he resigned. And he was planning a church in Phoenix, and and so I couldn't contact him and, and talk with him about it. And and then there was a person in charge of the board of ministerial standings of the ordinations and certifications, and and. He resigned from his church. And so the, the two key people that were involved in this process, they were gone. So I, I called some other guys, the guy who was my church planning uh, coach. I said, hey, Chuck, what do I need to do about this? He says, well, he's like, hmm. Um, well, you, what you do is you, you get a group of, of ordained pastors and you, 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 you have them meet and you write the paper and, uh, and you submit that. And I'm like, okay. I called someone else. He basically said the same thing. And, and so I started coordinating this myself. I, I called different pastors and I, I found a time and set up a time and a place to do it. And 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 of, of the 14 or 15 people I contacted, there was one person who said, why are you doing this? This does not seem like something you should be doing because, well, and he said he had just moved to our district from another district. And he says, in our district, we it's the district that takes care of this. The the superintendent and there's a whole committee that, that lines all this stuff up. It's like, I don't know. I just got a letter and it says, I got to do this right away. So, so I rushed and finished my paper and I, and I got this all set up probably in about six weeks. I had it all ready to go and, and, uh, believe it or not, I was not well prepared for this. <laughs> and, uh, it was, it was horrible. At one point, the, the interim, now interim district superintendent, uh, after this, this, this very long pause where no one asked any questions and, and he said, wow which was like the worst wow I have ever heard in my life. It's like, this is just completely sunk. And, and, uh, and I, I left that council knowing 
this is not going anywhere. This was a debacle, and I am not going to be ordained. And so I had to go to my church that Sunday. I'd been telling them, hey, I've got my ordination council. It's coming up this Thursday, and so people are praying for me. And, and I was trying to say, what do I need to do? I'd called my friend Chuck. I said, what do I need to do? And he's like, Rick, you're going to be fine. And uh, and that Sunday after that, I I had to, to come to front of the church and say, Hey, guess what? It didn't happen, and uh, and which which raised a lot of concerns for them. It's like, why didn't it happen? Is there something wrong with him? Is his theology off? Is all these things were swirling around, and and this is I'm going through this. I I was crushed, and I'm trying to put on a game face. And um, uh, the the district superintendent, the the interim, he called me up the next day, and and he said, you know, Rick. I'd never seen anything like that. <laughs> I don't know why God allowed you to go through this, but somehow God is going to do that. And and I, I say all that. To, so my mindset was, God, this was so unfair. All these things came. To, why did this happen to me? And 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 I was very frustrated with it. And and over the last several years since then, uh, the the answer I have is, I don't know. But God allowed me to go through that. It wasn't fair, all these things. I mean, other people didn't have these struggles when they went through it, but but I did. And somehow God allowed me to go through that. And it's just one of those things in our life, sometimes we face hard things and difficult things, and we don't know why they happen. And they happen to us and not to someone else, but but that's just how it is. And the question becomes, what do I do with this? Where do I go from here? Because I'm frustrated about this. I wish it didn't happen to me, but it did. What do I do with that? We've been looking at the, the church as it's been developing in the, in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. And, and we have been seeing the church grow and develop after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension. And, and Peter takes a prominent role and, and preaches an amazing sermon that 3,000 people are saved at in, in Acts chapter 2. And, and he's been exerting leadership over the, the church as it grows. He's been following people up and, and, uh, when Jesus was walking, he had three guys that were his closest, Peter, James, and John. And as we, we come to this chapter in Acts chapter 12, uh, some things are happening to the key leadership guys that Jesus had left. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd turn to Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 1, where we left the story last was that that. Saul and Barnabas had been in this, the city of Antioch. Uh, the Antioch had heard that the famine was coming and they raised a whole bunch of money to help the churches in, in Judea. And, and Barnabas and Saul were heading back to help the people down in Jerusalem and around Judea. And so it was about this time, Acts chapter 12, verse 1, it was at about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. All right, do the math on that. Four squads of, that's, that's 16 guys. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, 
but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So I, as the story begins here, uh, it is another mounting trouble for the church. The casualties seemed like they're building up. It started out with Stephen in, in chapter 7 and into the chapter 8, and pers- persecution breaks out, and, and, and others are being killed because of faith. Now, now James, I mean, this is James, as I mentioned, Peter, James, and John. This is, this is one of the big three. And, and for the church, just to, to, again, to think through what would, what would the impact of this be? Because we read this and it's half a sentence and, and we move on. It's like, oh yeah, James, he had to die eventually. But, but, but in, in, in the midst of the community of faith, what would this mean to them? And, and, uh, as I was thinking about it, it would be like if, well, if, if Andy and, and myself, Andy is our church chairman and, and I'm pastor and say, well, say Andy was arrested and was killed. I chose him being killed instead of me for obvious reasons, but, uh, I, I, I mean, we, we've seen Andy come to faith and grow and develop and mature as a follower. And, and for him to be killed by the government, that would be horrifying to us. We'd be like, Lord, what's going on there? How is this even possible? And then, and then if I was arrested as the pastor, what would the church be doing? He said, Lord, what's going on? How are we going to get through this? How are we going to survive this? And, and so, as you might imagine, the church is praying earnestly for what might happen. And, now what's going to happen is, is, is not likely what they are expecting because they, they've seen this before. Peter and James and John actually had been arrested before. One time they were released and, and let go and say, stop talking about Jesus. And uh, they left and they continued talking about Jesus. They got arrested again and said, please, please, please stop talking about Jesus. And this time they got flogged for their efforts and they rejoiced because they were considered worthy to have suffered for the Lord. And, and so, so they've seen them released. They've seen them punished but not killed. And But James is dead. So, so again, they're praying earnestly that God would do something here. And uh, the story goes on. So Peter is in jail and starting again in, in verse 6 here. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angels said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Uh, A couple chapters ago, we saw Peter have a vision about animals on a sheet, and, and, and so undoubtedly as this is going on, he's thinking, okay, here's another vision. What is, the God, what is God trying to teach me? What am I supposed to learn from this? And just kind of in a passive way, he's like, okay, what's, what's going on here? He, he thinks it's a vision, even though he's moving inactive until uh, they proceed. Verse 10, they passed the iron gate. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. And they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. And Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer 
at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the, other, and the brothers about this, he said. And then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Oh, one of the one of the things about scripture as the story comes along is is we see these miracles and and we see that that the church was not exactly expecting this to happen. They weren't looking for this miraculous escape from jail, but they were just asking that the Lord would help them. And when Peter actually shows up, they were well, they were surprised. <laughs> Really? <laughs> uh, so much so that uh, they didn't even believe Rhoda when he gets there. But uh, uh, well, another part of this is it's there's this amusing aspect to it. I mean, this is this is humor. Uh, Peter just gives us this story, and 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 we can, uh, or Luke just gives us a story, and 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 as we enter it, I I just imagine as as it's being told to Luke, one of the disciples says. And you know, Luke is saying, you know, so I'm I'm working on 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 this book about how we started, but tell me tell me about when Peter was in jail after James got killed, and he's like, oh, sit down here, this is this is amazing, and and, and begins to tell the story, and 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 how Peter Peter he doesn't even know what's going on, he thinks he's just having a vision again, like he did in uh, in, in Joppa, and and he has no idea what's going on, and and uh, and. Then, he goes to Mary's house and he's knocking on the door. Rhoda hears. She's so excited. She she leaves him outside. He's sitting out there and he's just trying to explain. Oh, Peter's here, and and they're like, no, he's not. And I mean, there's just humor here, isn't it? If we were telling this story, there would be just this mirth and this this joy in in how all this occurred and and how they didn't believe it was coming. And Peter's still knocking on the door, and and there he shows up. And then and then Herod, he's looking all over the place. He can't find him anywhere, and he's angry and agitated, and and so much so that uh, he kills the soldiers, the, the sixteen that were supposed to be guarding him here. And uh, we see. The answer to prayer is miraculous. It's unexpected and and so much so that the people aren't even expecting it. And yet, God is doing a work here. He's answering their prayers, but he's also working in their hearts. As, 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 as the church is going through this trial, wondering what's next and how do we do this, James is dead, Peter's in prison. How are we going to get through this? Peter escapes. And as he comes to the place where they'd gather, he, he says, all right, be quiet, 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 because he's a wanted man, right? I mean, this is not going to go unnoticed. If they discover him again, they're going to put him right back in prison. He's likely going to be killed as James was. So, so okay, this, here's what happened. And, and tell James and the brothers what's going on here. And, and then Luke says he went to another place. doesn't say where he went. Other Luke doesn't know or he doesn't think it's that important or doesn't want to let it out where he went to. Nevertheless, Peter leaves as well. And, and it's entrusted to 
Well, the leadership is changing. He says, tell James and the others. Obviously, it's not James, the brother of John, the son of Zebedee, uh, because he's dead. It's James, most likely the, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus, who has come to faith and is part of the leadership. We will see him emerge in chapter 15 of Acts as the church goes through one of its great debates. But nevertheless, there is a movement that's happening here. And changes are happening in the structure What's going to happen to the church? That's one of the questions that, that, that comes. How is this going to move beyond? Is it going to always be the disciples that lead it? Well, we're seeing that others are going to be released to take hold of the leadership. But, but our story's not done yet. Because it continues on, we, uh, we get another look at Herod. And uh, this Herod, by the way, is, is not the same Herod who was, was in charge when Jesus was born, but it was likely his, his nephew. Uh, but uh, still, there's some family characteristics and traits, and uh, one of them is uh, to, to be self-serving and to, to not deal with threats very well. But then, as the story goes on, Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there a while. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. At this point, you may be saying, why do I care about this? Why do I care about the economic happenings between Tyre, Sidon, and, Sidon and, and the king of, of, uh, of Judea? Well, on the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robe, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a god, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to increase and spread. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Uh, as the story goes on, Herod, still a central part of this story, he's the one who had arrested James and Peter, who had James killed with the sword, and, and now looking frantically for this Peter who he had arrested, but then takes this trip to Caesarea, and in the course of that, meets with these delegations from these other cities who he'd been having hardships with, and he did not like them, and he was not giving them favored uh, treaties, uh, peace treaties or, or trading treaties, and they, they petitioned. And, and, and as they come to an arrangement, he begins this speech, and, and uh, maybe to curry his favor, maybe because they really thought it, but they say, oh, listen to him. He sounds like a god. This is the voice of a god. And, and without denouncing that and not saying, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not god, he's struck down immediately. And he's gone. And so in the, in the course of this, this entire chapter, Herod moves quite a bit here. Uh, John Stott, as he writes about this, he says uh, there's some, some interesting things about how this is all transpiring here. Uh, and he writes, uh, Indeed, one cannot fail to admire the artistry with which Luke depicts, depicts the complete reversal of the church's situation. At the beginning of the chapter, Herod is on the rampage, arresting and persecuting church leaders, 
At the end, he is himself struck down and dies. The chapter opens with James dead, Peter in prison, and Herod triumphing. It closes with Herod dead, Peter free, and the word of God triumphing. Such is the power of God to overthrow hostile human plans and to establish his own in their place. Tyrants may be permitted for a time to boast and bluster, oppressing the church and hindering the spread of the gospel, but they will not last. In the end, their empire will be broken and their pride abased. Uh, what I love about that, that quote is just as we, as we go from throughout this, Indeed, that's what's happening. It seems at the beginning that everything is going against the church. Leaders, lead James, this is James is dead and Peter's in prison. And yet at the end, we see Peter free. We see the word of God continuing to go forward. This message continues to strike forward. Now there's unanswered questions in here. If you are relatives of James, you're wondering, okay, you got Peter out. Could you not have done that for James too? Could we not have had? I mean, there, there's, there's loss and mourning that is happening because one of their beloved brothers has been killed because of his faith in the Lord Jesus. And, and Peter is not. And do we have a definitive answer? Why? Why there and why not? Why, why there and why not in the other spot? We don't have answers for that. But what do we do? We... We continue to walk forward. We know that James was, well, he knew the Lord, loved the Lord, was a faithful follower. We knew that at some point he was, in fact, going to die, and, and that in dying he, he is with the Lord. We don't have to worry about him e- eternally because that was taken care of. And the big concern, what's going to happen to us now? Our leaders are, are being taken away from us. We're seeing that God is still doing a work, that others are being raised up, that the movement carries on and goes forward. We have what's happening in Judea still. We also have this ministry that is developing in Antioch with Paul and, and, and Barnabas. And now John Mark is, is, is included in their midst. This is continuing to grow. And I think one of the reflections for us is that uh, despite difficulties and hardship, very hard things we go through, is God still around? And the answer is yes, God still does his work. God still is moving. And, and while it may seem like things are going against us for a time, we continue to trust and we continue to turn to him, placing our faithfulness in him. The story of John C. Peyton. Uh, John C. Peyton, and this is written uh, by Heath Fernando in his commentary. He was a Scottish missionary to the to the New Hebrides Islands in the South Pacific, and uh, he was a, a heroic figure in, uh, in missionary history. And one night, hostile tribesmen surrounded his mission headquarters, intent on burning it and killing Peyton and his wife. The two of them prayed all through the terror-filled night, asking God to deliver them. When daylight came, they were surprised to see the attackers leave. A year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Christ, and and Peyton had an opportunity to ask him what kept them from burning the house and killing them. Well, the chief replied, Well, who were all those men who were with you there? Peyton said, There were no men there, only my wife and I. 
But, but the chief said they had seen hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn sh- swords in their hands. They seemed to circle the mission station so the tribesmen were afraid to attack. And Peyton realized that God had sent his angels to protect him, which is amazing, uh, similar to Peter's story in his release. And, and yet, John Peyton did not always experience God's provision in that way. His first wife died as a result of problems during childbirth. And 17 17 days later, the child also died. And and this had happened early in his missionary career. And and he had no one to comfort him. Uh, He even had to dig the graves of his wife and his child. But he writes about that difficult time. I was never altogether forsaken. The ever-merciful God sustained me to lay the precious dust of my loved ones in the same quiet grave. But for Jesus and the fellowship he vouchsafed me there, I must have gone mad and died beside that lonely grave. Jesus was there and he gave sufficient grace, grace enough for him to stay on working among those people and reap a great harvest for the kingdom. Yeah, sometimes we see God do amazing things. And sometimes we don't. What makes the difference? Is it because I didn't have enough faith? Is it because I wasn't strong enough? Well, there's no sense of that at all. And the response for us is to not spend a lot of time asking why. But in the moment that we're at, say, that just happened. And my call, the call for me is, is in this moment, in this situation, to live faithfully for God, to continue to trust in Him. I don't know why this happened, but God has been faithful, and I will continue to trust Him even through these hardships. If Peyton doesn't continue on in missionary work, maybe he never has this horrifying experience and yet see the deliverance that happens and and the the conversion of these people to know the Lord Jesus. Why? I don't know. But God is still here. God is still trustworthy. We can still lean on Him, even if in the moment we are filled with grief and difficulties. But Jesus is near. The Spirit of God is with us. You have undoubtedly gone through hard, difficult things, maybe even recently. God is still there. God knows where you're at. Maybe he will deliver you from them. Maybe he will transform things amazingly. Maybe not. Maybe not now. But is he still there? Does he still love you? Is he still at work and sovereign? He is. And so by faith, we come to him. Interesting aspect of our life here is that we come to Jesus and believe in him by faith that he rescues us. That's how we come to salvation. By faith, by trusting that what Jesus did makes the difference for us. But we also live this life by faith. We enter into it by faith, believing who Jesus was and what he did. But 
as we continue on, we still lean on him. In times we don't understand, trusting in him. Because from first to last, this life we live by faith. Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, this morning we we come to you. And again, as we look at your story and, and consider our story as we connect with you, uh, we're asking you for your wisdom and your help to, to, to make this connection. But, but Lord, thank you for the sometimes disorienting stories where one beloved leader dies and another doesn't. And yet you are still sovereign. You're still good. You're still doing your work. Lord, in, in the times of difficulty, give us faith to trust in you even in them, to continue to walk this path, knowing that you're here with us. Thank you for other brothers and sisters who have, who have paved the way for us and been demonstrated faithfulness and seeing you work even through to the end. Lord, help us to have that faith, to know you, to trust you. When all around us, Things are confusing. Spirit of God, move in our midst and our lives and our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.